0: You truly can rewrite your future with these powerful prevention techniques. Going from feeling hopeless in your health to feeling confident. To bring information and unleash the potential of our listeners to ask the right questions. It's my responsibility to take control of my own health. Welcome to the Ask Why Medicine podcast. Well, in our Ask Why Medicine podcast, um, we've really enjoyed addressing some very relevant issues for all of us, both personally and our families, and for those of us that are in medical and dental practices to uh, implement with our patients. And so today, what I want to talk about is this very important subject of breathing and airway and sleep disorders, uh, something that we're seeing a lot of. Um, In fact, it's estimated that about 30 million Americans suffer from sleep apnea, which I think now is something that almost everybody is aware of where people may stop breathing in their sleep. It's it's sort of like snoring uh, accelerated, where snoring is a blockage of your airway through vibration of soft tissue against the back of your throat and your airway, whereas sleep apnea is where you actually stop breathing for 10 seconds or longer, and some people much longer, many episodes during a night, which has some really very serious side effects on your overall health. So what I'd like to do is um, we're going to take two sessions to talk about an introduction to this, and then we're going to be talking about this more in the future and bringing on some other people with expertise to share with us their work. But very interestingly, about a year ago, there was a New York Times bestseller called Breath, B-R-E-A-T-H, by James Nestor, uh James Nestor is a is a journalist who actually investigated this subject of breathing and of course when you think about it what's more important than healthy breathing we can probably live a week or longer without food and several days without water uh but none of us are going to last more than a couple of minutes without oxygen and we're realizing that even the depletion of oxygen in our normal breathing or during sleep can have long-term implications on our overall health. And so um, in thinking about this, I, I want to try to give you an understanding of how we look at this. And the way we would start is by talking about normal breathing. Today's podcast is brought to you by Oral DNA Labs. Oral DNA Labs is breaking barriers through innovation and a mission to help healthcare providers treat, heal, and inspire oral and overall health through salivary diagnostics. They are most widely known for MyPeriopath, which detects 11 oral pathogens known to cause gum disease and threaten oral and systemic health. Their menu offers options ranging from bacterial and viral analysis to the identification of genetic inflammatory markers, all from a simple 30-second oral rinse collection. Visit OralDNA.com to learn more and create an account to start testing today. Thank you so much to Oral DNA Labs for your support. And now back to our podcast. I don't know if you know this or not, but normal breathing is really breathing through the nose. Uh, The nose is the uh, filtration, purification, uh, humidification uh, system of the body. It is the uh, filter that will take what's in the air around us and make it acceptable to go into our lungs and into our bloodstream and to give us the oxygen that we so desperately need to run all the systems in every cell in our body. And so as a dentist, um, I'm frequently looking at patients who come in with problems Uh, Often these problems are things like crowded teeth and impacted wisdom teeth and um, bite problems uh, that are causing them issues. They may need orthodontics to straighten their teeth that are severely crooked. And here's a question that we've been asking for several years, and that is, why is it that people have crooked teeth? Why is it that people have wisdom teeth that aren't fully erupted and used for chewing? Um, why is it that people will have tongues that protrude forward sometimes and, and um, these tongue thrusts will create problems where the front teeth don't touch at all uh, and aren't usable for chewing? And through the years, we've really had no answers until recently, but recently, as we've studied this subject of breathing, we've actually found probably the number one key to understanding many dental problems that we see. So let me explain it very simply this way. If you breathe normally through your nose, then what happens is your mouth is closed during breathing and your tongue will fill the vault in the roof of your mouth. When it does that, it actually expands the bone of the upper dental arch and expands your teeth where they will erupt and you get a nice rounded out upper dental arch and you'll get a nice rounded straight lower dental arch. And in fact, there should be enough room even for your wisdom teeth to come in. But when someone is not able to breathe through their nose, let's say a young child, and let's say this young child has allergies and that those allergies are causing them to be congested. And through the congestion, they convert from breathing normally through the nose to now being forced to breathe through the mouth. What happens when you breathe through your mouth all the time? When you breathe through your mouth all the time, your tongue remains low and in fact may protrude out forward and it doesn't go up into the roof of your mouth. So therefore, your upper arch of teeth, your your upper teeth will come in more narrowed, more crowded. And you will develop a crooked bite, um, what we call in dentistry, a malocclusion, a poor occlusion or a poor bite. Um, And with that can come poor uh, function of the way the teeth fit on the top and bottom. Some people will develop symptoms like sore teeth and sore muscles and, and sore jaw joints and even headaches and these things that we often refer to as temporomandibular disorders or TMD. And so as we've looked at this we realize that if upper breathing through the nose is not possible it can imply a whole bunch of problems that relate to what's going on in the mouth but even beyond that it relates to a lot of problems that are going on in the whole body. So I mentioned that that breathing through the nose is is like a filtration system and I live in Florida. In Florida, we use air conditioning filters almost every day, all year long. And I'm always surprised that when I go up into the ceiling and pull down those air conditioning filters after they've been functioning for, let's say, two months, they're usually very sooty and dark and full of just all kinds of of particles that completely block the the filters up in such a way that you're kind of shocked. It's just how dirty the air is that we breathe, even indoors. And so um, that filter is critical to keep the air in our homes clean. Uh, otherwise, we would develop dirty air and and uh, develop issues in our air conditioning system and the air we breathe. And we develop allergy-type symptoms in our homes. And eventually, you might not even be able to reside in your home because of the, of the dirty air and the effects that it has on your respiratory system. Well, think of the nose is like that filtration that is in our air conditioning system. Uh, The nose filters air, sterilizes air. Actually, next to your nose in the paranasal sinuses, the sinuses next to your nose, you release a special uh, gas called nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is like the miracle gas in the body that it kills uh, bacteria and other microbes or pathogens on contact that are in the air. It also dilates your airway and it dilates your blood vessels as well in your in, in your arteries. And so nitric oxide is produced in those paranasal sinuses primarily, and that's part of nasal breathing. It also uh, warms the air when you breathe through your nose and helps control the rate of, of your breathing and a in a healthy way, but uh, in that it takes care of all these microbes and pollutants and pesticides and smog and allergens and pollen and spores that try to enter your body, enter into your lungs and your respiratory system and can make you sick. So let's give an example. Let's say you have a small child and this small child is, um, is allergic to dairy. And so as a result of that, Uh, allergy to dairy uh, this child's nose gets stuffy and is runny and so the child converts to mouth breathing Uh, when the child is sleeping you can see their mouth is open and maybe their tongue is even protruding out of their mouth to some degree and with this chronic breathing through the mouth all night long and probably all day long too you have all this dirty air going into the back of the throat of the child and the tissue that's in the back of the throat we're all familiar with is the tonsils and also above that the adenoids so these tonsil tissue tonsillar tissue and adenoid tissues that are meant for helping to filter dirty particles in the air um sort of secondary to what goes through your nose now become overwhelmed by what's coming through the mouth from the air and the tonsils and adenoids can become inflamed. They can become enlarged. Sometimes they'll even become infected. So now you have a child who can't breathe well through their nose, who also now is having trouble breathing through this swollen tissue in the back of the throat or through the mouth. And so the child now is sleeping very poorly. They're not able to pass oxygen into the lungs easily. They're labored in their breathing. They're tossing. They're turning. They're getting disrupted from getting into deep sleep, which is where growth hormones and other uh, important functions occur. And so they toss and turn, they kick off the covers, their head ends up at the foot of the bed. They wake up in the morning and they feel terrible. This is a child that should wake up feeling great and excited about life in the morning and full of energy. But in fact, instead they wake up feeling lousy. They're unhappy, they're irritable, um, as they get older, if they continue to have these breathing problems and they're unable to get oxygen into their lungs and out into their cells easily, and so there's issues that relate to that. Their sleep is disrupted or what we call fragmented, where they're they're trying to get into deep sleep where it's really restorative, but they can't because they can't breathe well and the oxygen levels are dropping, so they get aroused or awakened uh, by these low oxygen levels, their brain stimulates the release of stress hormones, cortisol primarily from the adrenal glands by the kidneys. And now that causes their heart rate to go up. It can cause um, uh, insulin resistance. And even as a child, from this one singular thing, you can develop insulin resistance and even type 2 diabetes. Um, it can cause cardiac arrhythmia, so heart issues can happen. It can throw off your whole whole hormonal balance. Um, it can reduce the release of, of growth hormones in children which can stunt their growth and cause issues that way. It can cause problems with uh, synthesizing information and cognitive uh, skills and learning skills. In other words, it can create what we see as often mimicking attention deficit, deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, and in fact, many children that are diagnosed preliminarily at least with ADHD actually may be suffering from allergies, labored breathing day and night, and very poor sleep quality, which will mimic ADHD in such a way that it's been said that if you took a trained psychologist and he sat down with two children, one who had true ADHD, which we're really not quite sure exactly what causes that, and a child who has allergies and sleep deprivation, it would be very difficult to differentiate between the two. And so how many children in the United States suffer from allergies, and poor breathing and poor sleep. It it, it must be well up into the millions and millions of children. And as a result of that, now we've got millions and millions of children who are unhealthy, um, who have respiratory problems. This can create uh, symptoms that are um, involving uh, issues of, of the lungs and, and um, and of thinking and cognition. And so All of this starts because of allergies that can then uh, cause the child to not be able to breathe through the nose, convert to mouth breathing. And it's this lack of filtration and cleansing of the air through the nose that allows airborne bacteria to settle in the back of the throat, settle down in the respiratory tract, settle in the lungs and flourish. It increases the volume of dirty air over the tonsils and adenoids. It increases inflammation and congestion um, everywhere as a result of over breathing. Um, It reduces the release of nitric oxide from those sinuses next to the nose, which prevents good control of bacteria coming in uh, the respiratory tract, as well as dilating uh, the respiratory tract and, and the vascular network as well. It will diminish breathing from the, the, the abdomen from the diaphragm, uh, which leads to a reduction of lymph flow, which is used to remove toxins from the tonsils and adenoids and cleanse out uh, dirty particles. Um, And so in these cases, restoring nasal breathing is an absolute must after eliminating the allergic triggers that may be very commonly present in children. The other thing I want to mention about this that's fascinating is that You may have a child who has allergies that they grow out of, but during those young uh, periods where they have allergy issues, if they convert to mouth breathing, this mouth breathing now becomes a habit such that after the allergic triggers are eliminated or outgrown, uh, then the mouth breathing can still cause all the issues that come about through not properly filtering the air so as the child grows and even into adulthood we may see chronic respiratory problems uh chronic issues of breathing and sleep chronic issues that relate to cognitive challenges and behavioral challenges and memory challenges uh, that we see often in children uh, the other thing that we see as we look as dental professionals too though is we're going to see signs of this most often in the mouth that are red flags for us. So when we see children with crowded teeth, we see children with impacted third molars, uh, we see children with long faces, um, open bites in the front, uh, tongue thrusts, these sorts of things, these are all red flags for breathing problems that we would want to investigate. And now it's becoming a part of dentistry Um, And in fact, the American Dental Association has recommended that every dentist should screen every patient for airway and breathing problems because it's now so prevalent and there's so many signs that are present in the mouth. Another thing that can tie into this that is important is the subject of tongue tie in young children. In newborns that uh, experience tongue tie where their tongue is tethered to the floor of their mouth. We know that one issue that moms are aware of is the fact that very often this tongue-tied, if severely tongue-tied child, uh, will be unable to latch for breastfeeding, and that becomes a challenge and it becomes an issue um, that is for the mom and for the the baby. Um, We know that releasing a tongue-tie, clipping a tongue-tie under the tongue can free the tongue up and make it possible for the child to to properly nourish through uh, breastfeeding, uh, but also we now know that when the tongue is tied and tethered to the floor of the mouth, it's not able to fill the vault in the roof of the mouth, which expands the dental arches as the teeth come in at age you know one two three um, and will develop crowded dental arches and dental problems that may be present for a lifetime unless addressed. So. Tongue tie is another question uh, that every mom and parent should be thinking about with their child because of the fact that it has implications for breathing. It has implications for uh, developing proper dental arches and proper uh, bite uh, as the child grows, swallowing issues, uh, tongue posturing issues all become a big, big subject in overall health. And so... um, Tongue tie is something that definitely should be addressed if a child has uh, that concern, and um, should be discussed with their pediatrician or their children's dentist as something that it would be desirable to go ahead and correct that, which is very simple at an early age. It's also been found uh, at at the excuse me, at Stanford University in Palo Alto, California, where the largest and most significant sleep center in the world exists. That. In children that are tongue-tied, it's very common, much more common for them to develop sleep disorders and sleep apnea than it is for children that are not tongue-tied. Also, children that are mouth-breathers, usually as a result of blockage in their airway uh, in the nose, whether through allergies or through uh, developmental problems in the nose that may be blocking the passage of air freely through the nose. Um, That children that are chronic mouth breathers are also much more likely to develop sleep disorders, including sleep apnea, as they get older. And so when we see children that are developing either dental problems of crowding um, or are having problems with sleep or having allergies in such a way that they're congested in the nose, It's very important to understand that this can lead to some significant long-term health problems that can relate to growth and development, that can relate to cognitive development, that can relate to ADHD type signs and symptoms, uh, that can relate to growth uh, and development issues uh, throughout the body and can be a long-term concern when it comes to things like insulin resistance, The potential of uh, being more likely to develop type 2 diabetes, uh, more likely to develop cardiac problems, more likely to develop long-term memory issues over time. And so um, as we look at our children, uh, we want to ask these questions. And if we see any of these things, it would be wise to consider allergy testing our children uh, that are congested getting to the bottom of these allergies and trying to correct those, Um, emphasizing the fact that it's important to breathe through the nose as our normal way of breathing, as opposed to the mouth, which is a dysfunctional way of breathing long-term or chronically. Um, And then also looking at sleep. So it's possible even in young children to do simple sleep studies that can be done in the home uh, with home monitors uh, that are used in their own bed and um so sleep studies on young children is something to consider for those that are having struggles in any of these areas that we may have just mentioned so there's so much more that i could talk about with children uh but this is such a significant impact on the health of our families and communities and something that every parent every pediatrician every children's dentist every school teacher of young children should be aware of is the importance of nasal breathing, eliminating allergies, uh, not mouth breathing, and good solid sleep uh, for normal growth and development. So I hope this will help you get a feel for the importance of this topic, which obviously we can all appreciate because of the fact that, hey, without oxygen, properly, uh, properly delivered to every cell in our body, there's going to be compromise. And when the brain perceives that oxygen is not getting through normally, then that sets off a lot of bells and whistles, a lot of fight or flight response in the body that can also create hormonal imbalances and a lot of disruption of the normal systems in the body. So I hope this is helpful. And you, I'm sure know somebody who um, struggles with this as a child in your family or someone that you know or someone that you treat as a professional and so I hope you'll follow up and and look into these things for those that you uh serve and that those are in your family that you love. So thank you for listening to this. I'm going to go ahead in our next podcast and talk about what we see in adults as a result of these typically early developing respiratory or breathing issues and sleep issues. So Um, Stay tuned. And in our next podcast, we'll be talking more about breathing uh, and particularly relating to adults.